If you're visiting with us, thank you so much. We're very, very happy that you could spend this hour with us and that we could uh, kind of uh, have this time together. We've been going through the book of Acts. It is the very essence of how the church initiated, how it, it, it found its root and how it got started. And today is kind of a real important message to that fact of how the church really caught its roots within the Gentile world. We've seen the, the day of Pentecost where Peter preached to the Jews in Jerusalem and, and the church just, just exploded in Jerusalem. And then we saw there was a, a young man, in, I, I believe young, in, in the congregation by the name of Stephen. And uh, he got chosen as one of seven to do some work within the church. We'll mention that a little bit today. And, and because of his exuberance to his excitement to share his faith, he became persecuted for that. And some, some people became very offended with him, so much so that they brought false witness against him and they killed him. They ended up stoning him to death. Because of that event, the church had to scatter. It was decided at that time by the leadership, uh, the religious leadership and the and the political leadership of, of the Jews decided that the church could not keep going as it did, so they decided to put them all in jail that they could, and the, the church itself then scattered all over the place. We'll see that again today. Once that took place, then the message of our Lord went to Samaria. If you remember, Philip shared there amongst many others. And then he reached an Ethiopian, a, a a man from Africa that was a eunuch, and he was a, 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 a high official of the, of the queen. And, and Philip shared Christ with this gentleman, and he came to know the Lord, and he took the message to Ethiopia. And where we, where we left off now was in the 10th chapter of, of Peter having a trance. Uh, Peter was hungry, and he went up to the the roof of, of, his, of where he was staying, uh, Simon the Tanner. And he was staying there and he was very hungry. And so he went to pray and, and he has this, this, this vision, this trance. And in this trance, he sees a great object. He explained it like a sheep that, that came down from the sky itself. And on it was all sorts of animals um, and creatures crawling around. And, and he heard a voice say, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, no, Lord, I've never, I've never had anything unholy go into my mouth at all. And after the third time, the voice said to him, what I have cleansed, no longer consider unholy. During, why that was so important was during that time in a place called Caesarea, there was a, an, an army official. This guy was, was amazing. Um, Love to get to know him someday. We will. Um, he was having a vision. He wanted to know the Lord. What we know about this one man named Cornelius was that he was a righteous man, that he was a man who was devout, that he prayed daily. We know that he had given alms to the Jewish people. We also know the Bible says, if you seek me, God says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. God makes that certain. So while, while Cornelius is having all these thoughts, he, he falls into a vision himself. He sees a vision, a Lord comes to him, excuse me, an angel comes to him and, and says, Cornelius, in Joppa, there's a man named Peter, Simon. He's staying at a, a tanner's house by the name of Simon. Go get him bring him back to you, and he'll tell you everything you need to know. It's kind of where we left things off. Peter came back, and he shared the Lord and Savior with this wonderful man, Cornelius, and his family. I mention all of that to you because this place in Scripture, not this place, but Acts as a whole so far, has impacted my life like few places in Scripture I've ever studied through before. I don't know if it's because of you. I don't know if it's because of this place. I don't know what it is, but it is impacting my life. 
And by the grace of God, some of you have said the same to me. The study of this particular place in Scripture has has moved us. And that's the purpose of church. The purpose that you and I gather together is to be encouraged in the Lord, to be equipped in the Lord, to, to be trained in the Lord so that we might do the things that the Lord has asked us to do. Churches today across the United States of America have, have opened their doors for myriads of reasons this morning. Some of them are collecting as many people as they can get. And in so doing, they've, they've compromised the Word of God because they realize that not everyone wants to hear Scripture being taught. It's kind of, they say, boring. And so it's, it's not the, the trend that we are seeing, uh, not me so much, but people are, who investigate this type of thing are seeing across the United States. Churches that have watered it down, the Word of God, uh, churches that, that don't, don't ask the people to bring a Bible because there's no need. We'll just kind of do a feel-good message and, and, um, and, and tell you uh, the things of God, but not really get into your very soul. And so we are, as a church, committed to try to be like the church that is formulated in the book of Acts. There are some guidelines that we're to follow. They're not, they're not so deep that you and I can't understand them. The apostles, once people came to Christ in Jerusalem, they, they said what they wanted was people who were continually devoted to the things of God. And then they mentioned what those things of God are. That is the, the teaching of the apostles. In other words, the the Bibles that you and I carry, uh, the very essence of the Word of God is, is the very essence of, of what church is really all about, the teachings of the apostles. And then we're to have continually devoted to fellowship with one another, to encourage each other. We're to be continually devoted to communion, of breaking bread. And that is done primarily to remind ourselves Who's Jesus Christ in our lives anyways? What is all of this life about that we go through day by day? What's the meaning of life? And and the more you and I understand and the more you and I reflect and remember what Jesus Christ did, what he said and how he lived and how he died and how he rose from the dead, the more we'll want to be conformed into his image. And that's what communion is all about. Confessing our sins so that we would be more right with our Lord. And then it says, finally, we're to be continually devoted not only to the apostles' teachings, not only to fellowship with each other, not only to communion, but we are to be continually devoted to prayer. It's the very essence of the church. Everything else that we do is, are just things that we do to, to try to help us grow in our faith. With that in mind, uh, as you turn and, and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, our staff, um, whom you should be very proud of, have been praying about what do we need to do as a church? What's our, our thrust? What's our purpose? You need to know that um, they meet and diligently seek the Lord's heart for us. I don't always meet with them. I, I find out what's going on. Wes and the staff keeps me up to date. This is where we're going. What do you think? And all of that. But I'm not, that's not my gift. To see out there and to, to plan out there is not something that the Lord has gifted me in. And so I, I, uh, I don't always attend that because I'm not a great meeting guy. And they have made plans. And I wholeheartedly agree. What we want here at this church, so you'll know, so you'll never be um, fooled into what is, what is the Rock Community Church really all about, is they want us to be, we all want you and me to be people who are committed to understand and know the Word of God. So that we will be grounded in this because it is this. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. This is what moves you and me to become the people that we're to become. 
So what we've decided to do is to take a step. In this year, the year 2007, we want to be committed to teaching the Bible at every level. We teach the Bible to your children. We teach the Bible to your younger children. We teach the Bible to young adults. We teach the Bible to every age level at this church because that's the only reason we've been called to gather together as a body of believers, to know and to understand the Word of God. And so, since we are committed to that, I, this is my words, this is what we do in here is not the whole of our church. If it is, then we're really missing the ball. This is, as I like to say it, as the dessert, so to speak, of the church. Hopefully, God has gifted me in such a manner that I encourage you to want to kind of dig in a little bit deeper into your Bible, to to read it during the week so that you understand it more. And and that's my, my role here as I see it. And so what I see here on Sunday mornings with us is, is kind of fluff. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's not good. It's just not the meat and the potatoes of your life as a believer. The meat and the potatoes of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ is our getting together in smaller groups where then you can ask questions. You know, as a general rule here, um, I would kind of probably discourage it if you say, hey, John, you know, just kind of interrupt me and say, what did you mean by that? And, and that's kind of not the purpose of it here. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I explain things in such a way that you don't have to do that. But I know that you have those questions. And so when we gather together in smaller groups, that's the opportunity to say, wait a minute, what does that mean? What does that mean to me? And so we've decided as a church and and as a staff that we are going to to have some opportunities for you to get involved a little more deeply within the Word of God. They did not plan this, but it works all around the message that we're going to give today. And you'll see. For instance, women, women, we have what is called set in stone they're going to meet, the women are going to meet monthly for fellowship and study of the Word of God on Tuesday evenings. There's a handbook in the foyer for you to pick up to find out more about. Ladies, I cannot encourage you enough to go. A couple reasons. Some of our strongest teachers here in this church happen to be the women. Uh, we have some really wonderful teachers of the Word of God. It will help you in your life Personally, it will help you in your life with your, uh, with your loved ones, if you're married, with your husbands, with your children. It will help at every level. Set in stone. I, monthly, Tuesday nights, ladies, I would really encourage you to consider making that um, a commitment this year. For our men, we have what is called Men of the Bible, M-O-B. I don't know, I don't know, I think I made that up a long time ago, way, 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 a long time ago. I thought, what are we going to call our men's group? And I thought, how about mob, M-O-B, men of the Bible? It sounded good to me. Now, I don't know, there's probably been a hundred people that thought of that, maybe thousands. But all I know is I think I thought it up. (laughs) I don't know why I tell you that. It sounds like I'm bragging. I don't mean to do that. But uh, that's what we call our men's group, men of the Bible, mob. This... Wednesday, just in a few days, Wednesday evening, we're going to launch our new small group Bible study. And what we're going to do, what we decided to do, the staff decided to do for the men of our church is not to just have a Bible study where you kind of just give yourselves a little massage, but we want a deep body massage. I don't know if you ever get a massage, but that's the best kind to me. Someone that just digs in, you know, and really gets in there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through the book of Genesis and we're going to go through it more than a year. It's going, to, it's going to be a commitment of time, man. And you'll break up into small groups and, and, and we'll have plenty of small groups for you to meet at a time which, which is convenient for you. But this Wednesday night, we're going to kind of have the kickoff dinner and fellowship. And I would encourage you to come. Even if you're not certain, you can come to the whole commitment of Genesis. Come to that just to have fellowship with the men in our, in our church and see what's going on. We'll have a bite to eat and we'll have some laughs and we'll talk about what Genesis is going to be like for you. 
and then for our students, for the junior hires and high schoolers. We've decided starting next week, we will have the junior hires and the high schoolers meet on Sunday mornings. All the information is out in the foyer if you want to find out about it all. But we thought it would be a good time, since you're here on Sunday morning, to allow your, your young people to meet together with uh, their peers and to study the Word of God. Now, there's more information in your bulletin, and, uh, and there's, there's stuff out in the foyer for you to, to get to know and to understand. I say that to you as a, an announcement. That's uh, what I don't do very often. I felt it was important enough that we really kind of think about how are we going to get involved. Reason being is what I've been studying in the book of Acts. The people that began the church for us way back on the day of Pentecost, a couple thousand years ago, they were very serious about their faith. We have churches, churches after churches after churches across this country of ours that are not very serious. They've made church into a country club. What they've done is they've tried to make the church compatible to the world in which we live in today. That's never been God's plan. God never wanted to make this place compatible with the world. He always wanted to make this place and have the world become compatible to Him. It was never supposed to be the other way around. In this whole new movement of quote-unquote Christianity is trying to involve all kinds of people, bringing them into the church, and to make them comfortable to make the church like, like the world. We can't do that. We are committed not to do that. And so we believe we're going to have a unique group of people here at this church, people who see the seriousness of our faith and desire to become a church that has been called to make an impact in this world in which we live. Now, where that goes and how far that goes, that's up to God, not us. That's His call. We'll simply try to find people who are continually devoted to the things of God, to the teachings of the apostles, to fellowship, communion, and to prayer. No hidden agenda here. That's what the Rock Community Church is all about. Now, let me just share with you. Peter, if you remember last week, we're back, now we're getting the message. Last week, look at, look at verse 48 of chapter 10. It said, He ordered them to be baptized in the name of Christ. The reason being is they all accepted the Lord. In fact, the Holy Spirit fell upon these people in, in Caesarea just like it did the, upon the Jews in Jerusalem. And so, after He ordered them to be baptized, it said at the end of verse 48, they asked Him, Peter, to stay on for a few days. In the process of those few days, news had come to Jerusalem that the hated Gentiles were now included within the church. This news reached Jerusalem before Peter got back. Before he could explain what happened to him on that rooftop on the Tanner's house in Joppa and what happened to him when he went to Caesarea. And this news, before Peter could explain, sent shockwaves across the whole Hebrew Christian community. So significant was this news that Luke decides to reiterate what happened in chapter 10 again in chapter 11. He is going to take into account again for all of us to see and make no mistake about it, that the Gentiles were given salvation. The Gentiles were converted just like the Jews were. With that in mind, read with me, please, chapter 11, verses 1 to 26. Wonderful place in the Word of God. It says, verse 1, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. 
when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised, that means those the Jews, took issue with him. They said in verse 3, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Peter began speaking and proceeding to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance I saw a vision, a certain object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I fixed my gaze upon it, I was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the crawling creatures, and the birds of the air. Verse 7, Peter says, I also heard a voice saying to me, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. Nothing unholy or clean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, saying, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. Peter says in verse 10, this happened three times. And then everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared before the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house saying, Send to Joppa, have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. He shall speak words to you by which you'll be saved, you and all your household. In verse 15, Peter says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And he says in verse 16, I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, If God therefore gave to them, the Gentiles, the same gift as he also gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and they glorified God saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he, Barnabas, had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he, Barnabas, was a good man, He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And verse 25 and 26 say this. He left, Barnabas, left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. It came about that for an entire year, for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. There is so much here. Let's let's we got 20 minutes. Let's let's finish this up. Let let's look at this and see how it 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 is it is relevant for you and me. The very essence of what took place is the very essence of what church ought to be like. Barnabas, what a man! Uh, I, I'll tell you all about this. Let's let's move into. It. Let's pray first, please, dear Father. I, I beg of you with all of my heart. Would you open up our eyes? Would you open up our hearts that we might, we might behold the most wonderful of all things on this earth, in, in this universe in which we live, in which you created. And that is that we might behold the wonders of your words. That they might become food to us. They might become light to us. They might become the very essence of who we are and what we are. Bless us, Father, please. Bless us as your heart would minister to our hearts this morning. I I ask you, Father, from the bottom of my heart to move me aside. 
allow me not even to be noticed if possible, but Father, that might not be possible. But what I do ask is that you would just open up our eyes that we might sense that we are hearing from your heart to our hearts to what we are to become as a a body of believers, what church is really all about. Bless us, please, dear Father. I pray in Jesus' most precious name, bless us, Father. Amen. Let me say first and foremost, it's not by accident that verse, chapter 10 and chapter 11 are very, very similar. The unusual repetition of this event makes a very unique statement. And this is the statement it is making. God wanted for certain everyone to see, them as well as us today, that Christianity was not to become merely just another sect of Judaism. That faith in Jesus Christ was to be diligently passed along to anyone and everyone who would believe. As Peter said, remember back in chapter 10, remember when Peter went to Cornelius' house, remember what he said in verses 34 and 35? He said to him, Now I most certainly understand. God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the person who fears God, the person who does what is right before God, that person is welcome to God. And that's what he said to them basically in chapter 11 and verse 17. He said... Because they were upset that he went to the Gentiles. How could you go to the Gentiles? They're unclean. They're uncircumcised. How can you go to the Gentiles? And he says in verse 17 of chapter 11, If God gave to them, in other words, the Gentiles, the same gift that he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who am I? Who am I to stand in God's way? You see, here's the problem. We talked about it last week. God has given all of us as believers in Jesus Christ what is called the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 8, 28, verses 19 and 20. Let me just read it to you. It says, Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teach them, teach them, Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of this age. The Lord says, I want you to go. I want you to, I want you to make disciples of people all over the world and teach them. Teach them to observe the things that I've commanded you. And what we are learning here in the book of Acts is that He has commanded them how to set up church. And you and I don't have the right. Nobody does. Nobody has the right to change church so as to conform it into the world in which we now live. That is not our right. I don't care how many people we can get to come to church. We cannot make the church compatible to the world. We've got to make the church stand on its own two feet on the foundation that God has given us, ordered us, and we're to make the world transform and change itself into the way God is. That's our call. You people are by the grace of God, the chosen people that say, I don't want to be entertained. (laughs) Look at who's speaking at you. I don't want to be entertained. I want to be taught. I want to know what is it that God is asking me out of my life. That's that's always been my, my whole theory on anything. Find out who it is that's in charge, find out what they want and fall under their guidance. When I was an athlete, every year, because I played in the minor leagues so much, I had a different manager. And every year, the manager's uh, system changed. And I couldn't say, we don't do it this way. Last year, when we Played for Danny Ozark. Danny Ozark did it this way. No, Preston Gomez, I don't think we can do it your way. No, no, no. My job as a baseball player was to conform into the way that manager wanted things done. That's what we ought to be as believers. We are to conform into the very essence of what he wants for us 
from a church and we're to conform into His way. Remember, we, we saw it last week. I tried with all of my heart to show you by using that plan, if you remember. Remember Cain? Cain wanted to come to God and he wanted to bring him the fruit of the ground and God had no regard for Cain? Not because he didn't like Cain. He loved Cain just as much as he did Abel. But he had given an order that you were going to come to me by blood. And blood was the only way. And Abel was a, was a, took care of the flock and Cain took care of the, the, the eating of the food. Cain wanted to come to God his way. And God says, no, you can't do that, Cain. I, I love you to death, but you can't do that. I have no regard for what you've done. And so in churches across the United States, we can't make church in the image of this world in which we live. We've got to do it what God has asked us to do. And His orders are simple. Just read. If a pastor would just read, just read. Just read the Bible. You'll see what we're supposed to do. We're to find people who are continually devoted to the things of God. The apostles' teaching. Fellowship with one another. Communion. Prayer. And then the other things we do should be centered around those four values of within a church. And so the commission that the Lord gave is, is go make disciples. Remember what I told you last week about Abel? Excuse me, not Abel, Abraham? In, in, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, God says to him, go. I want you to leave your father's home. I want you to leave, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And I want you to be a blessing. And he says, for everyone who curses you, I'm going to curse. In other words, I'm there with you. And everyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless. And he says, I want in you, in your people, I want all the families of this earth to be blessed. But like their forefathers back here in Acts chapter 11, the Jewish people became isolated in their faith. As you can look from verse 3 of chapter 11. They said to Peter, you mean to say, you mean to tell us that you went and ate with uncircumcised people? We don't do that. They could not believe that he did that. But Peter said to them, look, it's all changed. God has, has told me and you now that, that he's not a respecter of people. He's not one to show partiality. Anyone that believes in Him, anyone that fears Him, anyone that loves Him has the ability to be a part of His family. And what the Lord has done is He's taken the Holy Spirit and He has seen to it that the church would not fail anymore. Not fail in taking the blessings of God's grace and forgiveness to this world in which we live. Because God Himself individually to some chosen believers that come to Christ gave them the spiritual gift of evangelism and missions. The gift to desire to go to the remotest parts of this earth and, and, and to tell people of Jesus Christ. There are some people within the church that that burns within them so deeply they can't, they can't get over it. They've got to go. Bill goes and helps. He can't help himself. Can't help himself. He goes. That's not his notion. That's God placing that desire within his heart. I want you to know something. When God says in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, remember he says, he says, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Ju Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of this earth. And God has made sure that that will take place within the family of God. Now, I want you to know something. Not all of us have that gift. If there is one person in this room right now that has the least gift of evangelism, of going to missions, it is me. I hate to travel. utterly hate to travel. I don't like to go to different places. It makes me very nervous. And in, it's just not something I want to do. But it doesn't absolve me of the... Of the of the responsibility to be a witness for my Lord. I, I can do it with the community in which I live. I'll never forget. I took a bunch of athletes, some very famous athletes, to Mexico. And we were going to have a, we were going to have a, a clinic or two in the community of Mexico. And the reason we had a clinic was all the athletes I took, all the baseball players I took were Christians. 
And so the purpose was to do a clinic and afterwards to present Jesus Christ to the young people and their parents that brought these Mexican young boys and girls to learn about baseball. The moment we landed in Mexico, the stench of urine overcame me. I come telling you, I couldn't stand it. I just couldn't wait to go home. I, I, I wanted to go home, staying in a place that, that smelled different than my home. It, 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 the food tasted different than... I like Mexican food, but this wasn't what I liked. It, everything was changed, and, and there was a missionary there that asked us to come. This guy was amazing, absolutely, utterly amazing, and I couldn't wait to talk to him. I wanted to ask him the question of questions, what in God? God's name brought you to Mexico. You lived in Texas. Why in the world are you here? You live here all the time. Why? Couldn't wait to ask him. Asked him if I could meet with him. But he says, yes. Couldn't wait. Burning. We were going to meet for breakfast. I got up with anticipation of asking him. Because I didn't sleep all that night. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I was in a different place. And I got to him in the morning. And before I could ask him, how do you stand in here? He said to me, how do you work with these spoiled brat athletes? That's what he said to me. And I said, uh, I don't find them spoiled brat He says, they're nothing like the people we treat here. The people here are lovely. He says, they've got such a burning desire to know the Lord. And I asked him finally, what made you come from Texas to Mexico? He says, oh, he says, I wouldn't live anywhere else. I've never met more wonderful people in my life. I've never enjoyed my life more. It is full. It is enriched. And I realized then and there, We were two men that loved the Lord and we were as opposite as night is today. This guy's heart was to be a missionary. And God placed that in his heart. And so I licked my wounds and I said to myself, boy, I am really really a piece of work, you know. (laughs) God gives the gift And those of us who are not gifted as missionaries, nonetheless, you and I are still called to be blessings to others. We do not get a free pass. There are certain things within the family of God that we don't get a free pass. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to be equipped. We're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us for His glory. We're supposed to support the church. We're supposed to give a, a, a tenth or, or whatever it is that you can afford to give so that the church can, can do what God's called it to do. And we are supposed to share our faith with anyone and everyone that we can. Look with me, please, at Romans chapter 10. Just to the right. My goodness, I'm I'm okay, I think. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to have to learn to take, stop taking Wes Brown's rabbit trails. He's, he's, um, he's infected me with that blessing. Yeah, well, he's better than me at it. He knows how to do this. In verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, it says, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, that person will be saved. But it goes on to say, verse 14, How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It is written, How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Paul writes in verse 17, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. I want us at this church this year to be people with beautiful feet. I'm not saying that you should be an evangelist. I'm not saying that you should be a missionary. I am saying that all of us ought to be people that have beautiful feet and bring good tidings to the people we come in contact with. For some of you here, you couldn't help yourself. You've got to share with anybody that moves. You can't help yourself. It is your bent. Whereas on the other hand, some of you here 
are very shy. And it is difficult for you to share with someone you just met or someone you've known. The Bible uses both. Paul shares with everybody that moves. Philip, on the other hand, he went to his brother and he says, I think I've I've seen the Messiah. Come and see. Let the Messiah tell you, he said to his brother Nathaniel. I believe that God uses all of us. Some of you who are bold, He will use you in your boldness. And some of you who are shy, He will use you in your shyness. There are people out there that doesn't, they do not need someone bold to kind of steamroll over them about how to come to Christ. What they need is someone shy. Someone who will say, um, why don't you come to our church? Um, Come to a function that we're having to be gentle. God uses all of us. He has created you just as you are. And if you're shy and and it's hard for you to speak out, don't try to become something you're not because God has made you just as you are. Now let's look again at verse chapter 11. Look at verse 12. Peter confirms his story by by the, the witnesses who went with him. Peter says in verse 12, the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. In other words, I was told to go and see this guy named Cornelius in in, in, uh, Caesarea. I was told. And these six brethren, these six men went with me. And we all entered into this man's house. And so verse 18 tells us when those in Jerusalem heard What Peter explained, it says, when they heard all of this, verse 18, they quieted down and they glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. In other words, they have the same thing we have. You see, until the Hebrew Christians came to the realization that all people are accepted into the family of God, they would never ever begin to task of evangelizing the world. In other words, the Gentiles. And they would not be able to begin the first Gentile church in Antioch. And what a church that was. What a church. Verse 19 takes us back to Acts chapter 8, verse 1, where the persecution of Stephen took place. And the scattering of the believers within the church in Jerusalem went throughout the world. Look at verse 19. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way to Phoenicia, they made their way to Cyprus, they made their way to Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews alone. Hold that. I'm going to tell you why, they said, why that took place. Phoenicia was north of Judea. That was where Tyre and Sodom was located. It was on the coast. From there, from Sodom and Tyre, they could take a ship to the major island of Cyprus, which was 60 miles away. From there, they could continue up the coast to Antioch, which was a major, major port about 200 miles north of Sidon. If you'll note in verse 19, it says, wherever they went... They were speaking the word to no one except the Jews. I thought you said, John, that everyone was supposed to know. You see, they could not have known yet that the gospel had spread to the Gentile world. They had fled Jerusalem before, before Peter went to Caesarea. They fled Jerusalem before he had this vision before God. And so... They did not come to realize yet that God was not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the person who fears God, the person who does what is right, that person is welcome to Him. And so they were doing what they always did. They were keeping their faith secluded to their own selves. And God wanted them to open up their arms. And by the grace of God, and I believe God's timing, verse 19, it says, Some men in Cyprus and Cyrene came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And through their efforts in Antioch, the first Gentile church was born and what a church it was. And what a city to begin. Antioch 
was a major port town. Now, what do we know about most port towns? San Francisco, uh, uh, New York, uh, New Orleans. They're full, full of debauchery. Full of people who, at that time in Antioch, who were idol worshippers. They're full of people who sexually were immoral. And this is where God chose to plant the first church in a place that was just a mess. And so in verses 22 to 26, the apostles, in other words, the church in Jerusalem, they heard of what was taking place in Antioch. And so what did they do? They sent to Antioch a man named Barnabas. Now we've met him. But what we know about him in verse 24a is he is a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of faith. And he was sent there to help that church grow properly. And grow it did. Look at verse 21. Verse part, the second part of verse 21. A large number who believed to turn to the Lord. Look at verse 24b. Considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And so with the impressive and immediate growth of the church, Barnabas realized something real fast. This job is too big for me alone. I need, Barnabas is saying, I need help. And that's the truth for all of us within the faith. When God moves and God starts to create whatever He creates, more than likely, He is telling us that we need help. We need others who can help carry the load. What Barnabas needed was someone who would teach the Word of God, someone who would equip the masses of people from Antioch who believed in Christ, who were now filling this newfound Gentile church. And let me tell you something, he couldn't have thought of a better person than Saul. Saul was a son of a gun. Saul was a feisty guy. And so Barnabas didn't go back to Jerusalem saying, I need help. He's saying... I'm going to get Saul. I'm going to sick Saul on these people. And so what does he do? He leaves them. Look what it says. It says in verses 25 and 26, he left for Tarsus. He left them alone. And he went to look for Saul. And we don't know how long it took him to find him. But it says when he found him, in verse 26, he brought Saul back to Antioch. doesn't say, would you like to go, Saul? It looks to me like he brought him back. And for an entire year, folks, don't miss this. Verse 26 is everything to us. For an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Barnabas and Saul, Paul, knew the most urgent need of those newly called Christians, and that was to be taught the Word of God. Their example. Barnabas... And Saul's example is a vital example to the church today. We have been called not to care for the people that come to us. We have been called to teach the people who have come to us the Word of God because it is only this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. It is this that will change our life. Look at me, just for, we'll close. Look at chapter 6, please. Look at verses Look what, look what the disciples, look what the apostles decided to do in Acts chapter 6. You remember, there was a, 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 there was a, a, a misagre- disagreement within the church, the newly found church in, in Jerusalem. And the Hellenistic Jews, it says in verse 1, uh, gave a complaint because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And when they called the twelve, the apostles together... The, the, the apostle says, it is not desirable for us to ne- neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. But rather, it says in verse 3, select people from among you. Seven people of good reputation, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. We'll put them in charge of this task. Because they said in verse 4, we're going to devote ourselves. We're going to devote ourselves to two things. The staff of this church is devoted to prayer and to study of the Word. That's our call. Your call is to do all the work. To do all the grunt work. Your call is to do the tasks that we have here in this church. And so many of you have come and said, 
Yes, use me. Use me. I want to be a part. I, I, I can't necessarily teach the Word of God, but by God, I can serve Him. Use me. And that's our call. That has been the call of the church from the beginning of the church. The people in the leadership, the people who are the pastors of the church are called to study the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, and to pray for the family of God. That's what we're all about. That's what the Rock Community Church wants to pass along to you so that you and I will be a church that are continually devoted, people who are continually devoted to the things of God. We're living in a terrible world. Make no mistake about it. The world is trying to transform, trying to uh, transform, trying to conform your kids into its world. Don't get married. All sorts of promiscuity out there. It's okay. You can live whatever lifestyle you want. That world is telling our children that. And we cannot conform this place into that place. We've got to change that place. And the only way we can change it is to make this place all that God wants us to be. To be a church that is continually devoted to the things of God. I believe that God has brought you here for that purpose. And I will never tire, I hope, of trying to encourage you to being a people that wants to make a change in this world in which we live. To change the world, not us. We don't need it. We've got the Savior in our heart. We've got life flowing through us. They need it. Desperately. And they're not going to recognize it when we start to look like them. They need to see us different. I'm committed to it. I hope you are. Father, please... Touch our hearts and our lives. Um, Use this time that we just spent here, Father, for your glory. I pray what was taught was truth. And I pray that, Father, it was um, something that we can deal with in our own hearts, that we would become a people that you've called us to become, a church that you've called us to become. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of doing this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all more than you will ever, ever know. Thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Have a great day. God bless you.